We are in week two of our series here in the book of Habakkuk, and we're going to actually slow down a little bit here in chapter two. Tonight we're going to cover the first three verses. But in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 29, verse 18, in the King James Version, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. When there's no vision, the Lord says, people are, are left to just meander through life, to just kind of exist in their Christian experience, to just kind of find themselves in that place where they're going through life just day to day and kind of wondering, well, why am I here? What am I doing? What is my purpose? And unfortunately, there's a lot of people today, a lot of Christians who that's the way they live their life. It's just kind of a, a daily existing with no purpose and no direction. Meandering through life in a sense. Oh, not perishing in the sense that they don't know the Lord, but perishing in the sense of just not experiencing all that God would have for them. And so, again, the Lord says with where there is no vision, the people perish. Why is it so important to have a vision? What is a vision? Well, in his book on leadership, Henry Blackaby makes this statement. He says, if you can't see where you are going, you are unlikely to get there. And if you don't get there, then no one you are leading is going to get there either. He's got a good point. If you don't know where you're going, you're probably not going to get there. You're not going to make it. Someone else said vision is the world's most desperate need. There are no hopeless situations. Only hopeless people are only people who think hopelessly. And again, there's a point there that that writer has that that here in this world, there's a lot of people who are hopeless. But what happens when one person comes along who who has a vision, who has some direction, that that one person can be an inspiration to many to get even a whole host of people going in the direction that God would have them to go. That, that the Lord can use one person to to lead an entire family in the, the direction that that family needs to go. Peter Marshall, who used to be the chaplain for the United States, he declared, give us a clear vision that we may know where to stand and what to stand for. Because unless we stand for something, we shall fall for anything. And I like that. Give us a vision, he says, of where to stand and what to stand for. And I think if there was ever a time in, in our world today when, you know, the lines have been so blurred as to, you know, right and wrong. It, rem it reminds me of what the prophet Isaiah said would be happening in the last days, that there would be those who would be calling, you know, white, black and, and black, white and good, evil and evil, good. And all the lines have been blurred. And we need, if there was ever a time, a vision to know where to stand and what to stand for. And that vision will come to us through the word of God. I ask you tonight, do you have a vision for your life? For those of you who are married here, do you have a vision? Men, do you have a vision for your family? Now, as Christians, we do have in scripture given to us a what I would call a general vision. 
What I mean by that is a general direction from the Lord that we know what our life is to be about. We know why we're here. We know, in essence, generally what our purpose is. That God has placed us here as Christians to be salt and light in this world. That we are to be those who shine for Jesus Christ in a world that is very dark, in a world that is very desperate, in a world that is hopeless. That we are to be that salt, that, that healing, that preserving, that flavor enhancing aspect upon society. That, that's what our purpose is as Christians. We are here to be the Lord's ambassadors. We are his witnesses. We are those who are living or we are to be those who are living with with heaven in view that we're not living for this place. But we realize, as Peter said, that we are pilgrims and sojourners that we're just passing through. We're, we're here in this place, but this is not our home. But but our home is is there in heaven. And God has made us for that place. And so, in essence, that's our general vision, our general direction as believers. Another thing we could add to that is we are here to to glorify God, to bring him pleasure with our lives, to bring him pleasure through what we were just doing through worship and not just singing of songs, but what, what I would call living worship, that living of our lives in such a way that we desire to glorify God as parents. We have a vision, we have direction given to us in the scriptures that we are to train up our children in the ways of the Lord. We have some general vision given to us concerning what God's will and purpose and plan is for our lives. But what about a specific vision, a specific direction for this season in your life? For this time where you're at right now, what is it that God wants you to be about? What is it that God wants you to be doing? Where is it that he's seeking to lead you and direct you in your life? Where are you going? Are you tonight a person who is in need of vision? Are you tonight a person who is in need of some direction from the Lord? Are you a person who maybe is here tonight and you would say of your Christian experience, you know what, I, I'm kind of like that person that, that you mentioned. I, I'm just kind of existing. I just kind of go from day to day and I've, got, I've been caught in this, you know, vicious little routine. I get up and, and, you know, I spend some time with the Lord and I rush off to work and I drive down the freeway and I go to my job and I work all day long and I, you know, climb back in the car and I drive home and I get there home and I eat dinner and I play with the kids a little bit and then I go to bed and I get up in the morning and I do the same thing all over again and I'm just kind of, you know, spinning here. I bet many of you, in a sense, feel that way. Some of you younger people, you know, you get up and you, you know, eat breakfast, you go to school and you you do your work and you come home and you do homework. And 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 maybe, you know, you talk to some friends on the phone, you go to sleep, you get up, you do it all over again. And just kind of going day to day with no real sense of why am I here? What am I doing? What is God really seeking to do in my life, but not just in my life, but but through my life during this specific time, this specific season? I'm a 10th grader in high school. What, What is it, God, that you're seeking to do with me? Is it just to learn about math and English and history? Is that your plan or is there something more? 
I'm 35 and I'm in this job and it's not my career and I, I don't know what my career is going to be, but I'm just kind of going down this road and I'm, I, I'm there and I'm, I'm, you know, paying the bills. And is that what this is all about, Lord? Just being in that place of just day-to-day existing, paying the bills and, and getting by. Why am I here? What am I doing? What is my purpose? Well, tonight we see a good illustration of how a vision comes to us, how that direction comes to us from the Lord, because the answer for all of us is different. What the Lord has for one person is going to be a little bit different than what he has for the other person. And so we see here in our text, this man Habakkuk, this prophet, in chapter one, we saw Habakkuk wrestling with God's will. He was wondering, why, why aren't you judging these people? The people were in great immorality and, and, and they had fallen away from God. They'd walked away from God. And, and he was wondering, well, why aren't you judging God's people? And, and then God reveals to him, I'm going to judge. I'm, I'm going to judge these people. I'm going to bring the Babylonians down and they're going to be the, my instrument of, of judging the people of Israel. And then Habakkuk moves from wrestling with God's will to wondering about God's way. How are you going to use them? Lord, they're worse than us. How can you use the Babylonians to judge us when, when, when they're a worse people than us? And so here he is. He's in chapter one. We saw him last week just wrestling and wondering with God's will and God's way. And then here in chapter two, he moves from, from there to waiting and watching. To this place of where he is in need of direction. He's in need of, of some vision. He's been given this, this information about what God is going to do. And he's like, okay, what does this mean for me? And how does this play out in, in my life? And what is now my purpose having been, received this revelation? And so we pick it up here in verse 1. He says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. That's the tower. And watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Now, there are three key components in this verse that are necessary for receiving vision and direction from the Lord. The first component that we see here is that of isolation. Isolation. It's for that reason that Habakkuk says here, I am going to go to the tower. I need to get away. I'm going to go to the, the tower. I'm going to go to the rampart. Habakkuk knows that if he's going to hear God speak, that he has to get away. He's got to get away from the routine, away from the distractions, away from the daily pressures of life. And for Habakkuk, that meant that he needed to go to his prayer tower. And it was there at that place that he was going to stand watch. And it's here we see that he goes from wrestling with God to now watching, watching. He's waiting. And, you know, that's always God's way. You see throughout the scriptures, God working in this way in the, the lives of various people. You take Peter there, for instance, in Acts chapter 10. Peter, who's been the preacher there on the day of Pentecost, He's been the one who's been, God's been using, he's been God's mouthpiece in, in bringing thousands of Jews into a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And here Peter finds himself there in Joppa. It's noontime, it's lunchtime, it's a busy time and people are down in the house and meals are being made. And what does Peter do? It says he goes up onto the rooftop. Now in those days, the rooftop was kind of like a patio setting. 
So he goes up there onto the rooftop. He gets away from all the hustle and bustle going on there in the house. And he goes up to this, this quiet place where he can have a quiet time. And he can have a quiet heart. And it's there that, that he falls asleep and actually has a dream. And in this dream, God comes and he reveals to Peter that now he wants to take him and send him and use him to not just reach Jews for Jesus, to not just bring Jewish people into a saving faith. But now he wants Peter to go and be used to touch the Gentiles, those who were considered unclean. And there in the story, he sees a vision of a sheet that comes down and all of these animals. And the Lord tells him, kill and eat. And he says, how can I kill and eat that which is unclean? And the Lord says to him, don't call what is unclean what I'm telling you to to kill and eat. And and, and the basis of the whole story is God is is showing him, Peter, I want to use you to reach the Gentiles. Those that you think are unclean. I want to use you to touch their life. And that's what ends up happening as he goes to the house of this man, Cornelius. But it happened. The vision came to him, the direction, the new insight for where God was wanting to take him and what God was wanting to do with Peter came when he was in a that place of isolation, that quiet place where he could have a quiet heart and have a quiet time there with the Lord. We see the same thing with Moses. The times when Moses, uh, God spoke to Moses first, it's at the burning bush. Where is he? He's out in a place of isolation. He's out of Egypt. He's out of the hustle and bustle. And he's there at that place. Out in the desert, it's there that God comes and speaks to him and gives him new direction for his life. And then later on, when Moses is now leading three million people, they're in the wilderness. And you think, you know, your life is is busy and hectic. Imagine what his life was like. And we know what those people were like, always grumbling, always complaining. You think the people you work with are rough? Moses had it. I mean, that guy had it bad. These people were a rough group. And there's Moses in the midst of all of this. And and what does he do? He climbs a mountain. He goes to the place of isolation. And it's there that he meets with God. And he receives revelation concerning the Ten Commandments. And then later on, again, we see Moses when he takes the, the tent of meeting outside the camp. And he pulls it out. And it's there again, getting out of the routine, out of the hustle and bustle, out of the, the normal everyday life of the people of Israel. And he goes outside the camp to that place where he hears from the Lord. We see it in the book of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 5. He needs direction. He needs a vision. Now we've, you know, we've crossed the Jordan. We're in the land and there's uh, you know, wars to fight. There's cities to conquer. How's it going to happen? And he's out surveying the city of Jericho. And it's there that he meets the commander of the army of the Lord and receives that direction. He gets a vision. He gets some insight on, on the battle and how it, that, that city is going to come down. When, when, when did it happen? Was it when he was you know, hanging out with his buddies there around the fire in the midst of the camp? Is that when the revelation came? No, it was in that place of isolation. Again, we see it with Jesus. He practiced this often. And this is the amazing thing. If Jesus needed to do this, how much more do we? We see in Mark chapter 1. After Jesus had a long day of ministry where he's healed many, many people and the disciples, they come looking for him. And as they they find him, they say, Lord, everyone is looking for you. But it says that Jesus got up a good while before the sun had even come up and he went out to the solitary place, the place of isolation. 
And it was there that he sought the Lord. It was there that he sought his father. And it was there in this time when, I mean, if it was today, all the news people would be there. If it was today, you know, all of the, the, the cameras, all the magazines, everybody would be there. They came, they said, Lord, everybody's looking for you. And Jesus, if there was any time where he could have got caught up in the emotion of the moment, that would have been quite a time. But Jesus comes and he says, you know what? It's time for us to move to the next towns. For, 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 for this reason, I have come forth. Come forth from where? Well, he came forth from that secret place. And it was there that the father had revealed to him, it's time to move on. Again, we see it with Jesus on the night before he was to go and pick his disciples. A major decision. Twelve guys that were going to touch the world. Twelve men that he was going to invest the next three years of his life spending time with them and teaching them and instructing them and giving them opportunities to minister and to serve. Giving them opportunities to go out and, and, and taking these guys to be extensions of who he would be. That all of a sudden, he, he, Jesus, before he makes that decision, spends the, the evening in prayer. Now, some say that he was praying, Lord, are you sure it's these guys, you know? And I don't know if that's the case. But we know that he spent the evening in prayer in that place of isolation. And so we see this pattern throughout Scripture. Habakkuk goes to the tower. Peter goes on the roof. Moses climbs a mountain. Jesus goes to the solitary place. We could go on and on and on. But one reason that many, many Christians today, and listen closely, lack vision and lack direction in their lives is they never put themselves in that place where they can hear from God. They never put themselves in that place where God has the opportunity to speak to their hearts and they know nothing of the place of isolation. They know nothing of the place of slowing down and stepping back and getting away. And they're too busy running to friends and too busy trying to, to you know, they, they run to their, their, their buddies or they run to their friends and they say, you know what, um, you know, what do you think about this? And what do you think I should do? And here's, you know, this situation. And they, they, they seek all the counsel in the world except the Lord's. And many times they're, too busy trying to handle everything in the energy of their flesh, their human ingenuity, looking at everything going on in their life only in the natural, only through the practical and, and rational and how it makes sense to them. This is what we need to do and never taking the time to step back and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you, how, how do you want me to handle this? Listen, if we are going to be a people who receive the vision and direction from the Lord that is necessary for our families, that is necessary for ministry, that is necessary for our lives, we need to have a quiet place, a place that is different from our normal routine, a special place where we can go and have a quiet time and a quiet heart. To receive that direction and to hear God speak to us. For me, that place is down at the beach early in the morning. Not in the afternoons, not when people are there. But early, early in the morning. My chair, my cup of tea, my Bible. And just there, and I don't know what it is for me about that place. But when I go, 
And I have a special certain place that I like to go that, that not a lot of people hang out there. And when I go to that place and, and I take that time and just get away and just go and sit before the Lord. And I have just so many things that I'm wrestling with. And I'm trying to figure out what should I do about this? And what should I do about this? And I get down to that place and it's like I, I hear God's voice so clearly. Not audibly, but that voice of him just speaking to my heart. It's so much or so often in those times as I read my Bible that all of a sudden it's like everything is just leaping off the pages as God just speaks to my heart. You know, sometimes here at the church, here at the office, this is where I'm most distracted. Now, I come oftentimes I come here and my intention is is to study. It's to pray. It's to seek the Lord about certain things. But oftentimes what ends up happening is, is, and it's not a bad thing, it's, it's, you know, it's a good thing. But I have to be so guarded sometimes because if I really, really need to be in a place where I'm going to hear from the Lord, oftentimes it's not here. Because what ends up happening is I get involved in one conversation after another and pretty soon the, the, the whole day is gone. And what I intended, what I hoped would happen, it doesn't happen. It doesn't come together. Now, a lot of times when I'm here and I'm in that place and I came with a specific idea that, okay, I'm going to come and I'm going to study a little bit. I want to seek the Lord about this and, and deal with some things. And, and, and all of a sudden the day just starts getting away. Oftentimes I run down to the park here in between a counseling appointment. I'll run down to the park and I got another place there that I like to just sit on top of the hill. And it's like, God, <laughs> I need to hear from you. Sometimes we just got We have to get away. From all that, that, that distracts us. All that is there that, that is just, you know, right in our face. And so constantly, you know, in that, that before us to just distract us from hearing the voice of the Lord. That's why the Lord speaks to us. He calls us to come away. To come unto him. And so often, though, one of the reasons why people, they lack that vision is because they don't do that. They, they don't practice that. They don't take that time to get away in that way. Now, that's not something that you can do on a daily basis. Not, not in this type of way that I'm talking about. Going and setting aside a, a special amount of time to just come and and seek the Lord and hear his voice. But it's something that we need to do, especially when you find yourself in that place where you're wondering, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And, 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 and what is it that God has for me? And what's the direction that I'm supposed to be going? And so, first of all, we see that the first component is that of isolation. Habakkuk got away. He went to his prayer tower. And there's something to be said about that. Putting yourself in that place where you can hear from the Lord. The second thing to note here. A second component is that of determination. When he needed an answer, Habakkuk said, notice, I will stand my watch. I will stand my watch, he said. Notice he didn't say, you know, I should spend some time with the Lord. Maybe next week when it's a little more convenient, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. He doesn't say that. He says, I, I will Stand my watch. His attitude is one of, no, I need to hear from the Lord and I'm going to go to my tower now, right now. I'm going to go to that place. I will put myself, not I should, not I might, not I will someday, but I'm going to put myself in that place and I'm not going to leave until I hear something. I remember the first time 
that I experienced this type of situation in my relationship with the Lord. I was saved when I was young. I got saved when I was 11. And all through high school, I was a Christian. But during my years in high school, I can honestly say that my devotional life was, was very um, inconsistent. And I just really struggled, you know, with, with being consistent in my spending time with the Lord. But then when I was in college, God called me into the ministry. And it was there that all of a sudden uh, I just had this incredible hunger for God's word like I had never had before. I went from spending, you know, 15 minutes in the morning to uh, w- with the Lord and just kind of reading a chapter to spending four hours every single day just just devouring the word of God. I just kept getting up earlier and earlier and earlier. And then I'd go to school and I'd come home and I just I just couldn't put it down. And for about eight months, it was just this incredible, and I had never experienced God's word speaking to me like that before when I read it personally. And it was just rich, and I was working my way, you know, through the New Testament. It was such a wonderful time, and God was just speaking. And and then all of a sudden, one day, I remember I was reading in the book of Hebrews, all of a sudden, it, it, it just, like, it was dry. It was like if it was a river, you know, my devotional life was a river. It was like all of a sudden somebody, you know, dammed up the river and and it just quit flowing. Well, I don't know about you, but but, you know, sometimes I handle situations uh, like that, like this. And and I, you know, read for a little bit and kind of wrestled with that particular chapter that morning. And 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 just, you know, it, it was almost like I could have been reading Japanese or something. You know, it just didn't didn't connect at all. So I just thought, you know, maybe I'm tired. Maybe it's you know, a bad day. Maybe it's bad pizza last night or something. So, you know, I closed my Bible. I, you know, went to school and I didn't think much of it. Well, the next day it was the same way. And the day after that, it was the same way. And so after about two weeks of, of going through this, where it was just this incredible dry time, and I just, you know, reading this same passage over and over again. And after about a week of that, I, I started just thinking to myself, you know, maybe it's this passage, you know. So, so I, I left that one and I, I went to, you know, my, my favorite, First Samuel. It's like, surely God's going to speak to me, you know, in First Samuel. It's one of my favorites. And it was the same way. It was just dry, dry as a bone. And I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking, okay, what in the world is going on here? And then I start going to the the other extreme. There's got to be sin in my life. You know, I must have done something. And so I'm confessing, you know, everything under the sun. Lord, forgive me for this and forgive me for that. And for all the things that I don't even know, Lord, forgive me. And it was still the same. Just that dryness. And suddenly, you know, where I had been spending four hours every single day just devouring the word of God, suddenly I couldn't get through, you know, 15 minutes. And I was just getting discouraged and I was just getting to this place of, of, of really, um, you know, just wondering something's got to be wrong with me. And then I heard Pastor Chuck give a message about Jacob wrestling with God and God used that to speak to my heart. And that very next day I determined that I came home from school in the middle of that afternoon and I went into my room and I had the whole afternoon free and I closed my door and I grabbed my Bible. I went back to that very same passage there in uh, the book of Hebrews and I, and I told the Lord, I said, I am not, just like Jacob, I'm not going to get out of this chair. I'm not going to leave this room until you bless me. I was determined to hear God speak to me. And I wrestled and I wrestled and I read that passage and I prayed and it was was just this time of just really, you know, just battling in a sense. But after about 45 minutes, 
It was like somebody pulled the rocks out of the river and the dam just broke and it started to flow again. And I started to write and I I filled up a, a few pages of my journal, my notebook with things that God, you know, was speaking to me in that same chapter that two weeks ago was like reading Japanese. And I don't read Japanese, you know, and, and, and it just, you know, wasn't connecting. And all of a sudden it's like God's just speaking to me. And the Lord used that to teach me that sometimes, as the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 6, that he is the rewarder of those who diligently Seek him. And sometimes it's going to be really easy. Sometimes it's going to be rich, but sometimes it's going to be dry. And it's in those dry times that the Lord wants us to have that determination where we come and and almost in a sense of desperation where we say, Lord, I need you to speak to me. You know what a lot of Christians do? They hit their first dry time. They close their Bible and they never pick it up again. And, And weeks, months Sometimes even years go by and a person never has a devotional life, never has a time where it's just him and Jesus and he's allowing the Lord to speak to him. And it all started with that dry time that he had, you know, four months ago. All of us, we go through our dry times, but it's in those times that the Lord, he wants us to to, to press on with a determination to come to him. Think of it in this way. You know, if you're dating or courting and let's say you're a gal and some guy, you know, comes up to you and, and he says, you know, hey, you know, that, would you like to get some coffee sometime? And you say, you know what, that sounds that sounds good. When would you like to do that? And he says, well, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, let me let me let me give you a call, you know, uh, next week sometime. And and you say, well, well, when are you going to call? And he says, well, you know, I'm not sure, but, you know, I'll call you this 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 week. And and he never calls. And you see him and, and he's like, well, hey, you know, we need to get together. We need to do coffee. I'm going to call you. I mean, what are you going to think? You're going to kind of feel like, you know, I really don't think he's serious. I really don't think he's, he's interested. And after a while of that, you get the message that, you know, he's not really interested. Well, I wonder how many times we project that same attitude towards the Lord. Lord, we need to do lunch. Lord, we need to get together. Lord, I'm going to call you. But we don't. And we don't seek him and we don't come to him and we treat him almost in a sense like we do each other, just kind of passing by. Hey, buddy, how you doing type of a thing? And and then there's really no, you know, connection that's happening and taking place there. But now if you're a girl and a guy says, you know, hey, would you like to go to coffee next week? And you say, sure, I'd love to. When do you want to do it? And he says, well, I need to check my schedule and, you know, I'll go home. I'll check it tonight and I'll call you tomorrow. What time can I call you tomorrow? And you say, well, you know, call me at eight o'clock. And he says, "Okay, I'll call you at eight o'clock sharp. Well, when he does that, and especially when he calls, I mean, you know, he's determined. You know that he's serious. You know, hey, he's really, really interested. Why the Lord is the same way. He loves that heart that says, God, I really need to spend time with you. I really need right now at this point in my life to hear your heart. I've heard everybody else, but Lord, I need to hear you. I need to know what you want me to do. And so I'm going to get up extra early tomorrow. I'm going to go down to the beach. I'm going to drive up to the mountain on my day off. I'm going to I'm going to go to this place or that place, the the place where I can go, where I can hear you speak to my heart. And I'm determined to let nothing keep me from that. That was the heart of Habakkuk. He says, I'm going to go and I will stand my watch. I'm going to wait to hear. What God would say to me. 
We are far too busy and distracted sometimes to hear the voice of the Lord. In my life, I don't make any major decisions without getting away to the, that secret place. And sometimes I'll go, I'll go every day, several days in a row until God speaks to me. If I go the first day and I run out of time, it's like, okay, I'm coming back tomorrow. I'll get up a little earlier and I'm going to come down. I'm going to, I'm going to get away because, Lord, I don't want to make a decision. I don't, want to make, I don't want to make a wrong decision. I need to hear, Lord, from you. So first we have that secret place, that place of isolation. Secondly, there's that determination that, that I'm going to go there, that I'm going to get to the tower. I'm not going to let anything keep me from that. And number three, when you go there, you go with a heart of expectation. Habakkuk goes to the tower and he says, I am going to watch to see, notice, what the Lord will say to me. Not what the Lord might say to me. Not what I hope he says to me. Not what I wish he says to me. But he goes to the tower with a heart that is expecting to hear from God. And so we see Habakkuk here is no longer wrestling, but now he's waiting. He's watching. He's expecting to hear from the Lord. You know, when I call my house, when I know that my wife is home, I expect to talk to her. I'm expecting her to pick up the phone. Now, we have call waiting. I don't know why. Because she never uses it. But I found a way to get around it with her. And those of you who are friends, you can get around it now, too, because I'm going to share this with you. If I call our house and it rings, you know, over and over and over again, I know that she's on the other line. So if I call back right away, I know that she knows it's me. And so she's going to pick it up. But when I call her and I do that, there's that expectation. Okay, I want to I want to hear. I, I need to talk to her. I'm hungry. I need to know what's for dinner tonight, you know, type of a thing. I call her a lot of times in the middle of the day for that reason. What are you cooking tonight? You know, Something about just knowing what's for dinner, you know, that just kind of gets you through that last part of the day. But I ask you this, do you expect to hear from God? Well, here's a simple test. When you pray, when you seek him, are you there with your with your journal? You see, I have found that there's something to be said about coming to the Lord in my time of devotion with a pen and paper in hand. And I have seen the Lord just radically bless my devotional life because of this heart, that expectant heart. That I'm there and I've got my journal, I've got my paper, I've got my pen or my pencil, and I've got my Bible. And it's like, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm waiting, I'm expecting you to speak to me, and I want to write something down today that I can take with me that has come from your heart as I get into your word. Notice that as in verse 2, That Habakkuk hears the Lord say to him, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Write it down. There was a sense of expectancy as the Lord came and spoke to him that he was ready to write it down. You know, I have found that in, in, in my devotions, 
in my time with the Lord that there's a twofold thing happening and taking place. And a lot of times, you know, I think probably early on in the Lord, I, I thought, you know, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read. That's when God speaks to me. And I'm going to pray. That's when I speak to him. But you know what? Think about your relationships with your friends or with your husband or with your wife. You know, when I, when I uh, talk to my wife, Denise, or spend time with her, it's not the type of thing where, you know, we get together and I, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I, I talk, 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 talk. And then I stop and, okay, it's your turn. And then Denise talks, talk, 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 talk. And then, and then I stop and she stops and it's my turn. And, you know, I talk, 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 talk. And then I stop and then it's her turn. And, and you know, she talk, 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 talk more, you know, than, 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 than me. It, it's not like that. There's an, an interaction. There's an exchange going on there. And, you know, what? that's the way it needs to be in our, in our devotional time, in our Bible reading. It's a time where, where you know, you're, you're sitting there and you're, you're reading the word. And God's speaking to your heart. And what I have really learned to do, and this is why I journal, God speaks to my heart. And I'll take and all of a sudden, I'll, I'll start writing down in my journal. I'll start praying. I start talking back to him. And then I read a little bit more and, and, and he's talking to me and then I'm talking back to him. And, and it's not a thing like where, okay, I'm going to, you know, read for 20 minutes and let God speak to me. And then I'm going to go pray for 20 minutes and I'll speak to him. But no, it's this, it's this interaction. It's this exchange that's taking place. But there's that heart of coming with a desire to you're expecting the Lord to speak. And you're ready to write that down. And so you take these three components and it's a a real clear way we see in Scripture where God gives vision and direction specifically for people in situations as when they find themselves and they go to that place where of isolation, the secret place. And they go there with a heart that is determined to hear from the Lord. And a a heart that is determined to not let anything keep them from going and being at that place. And then thirdly, they go there with that heart that is expecting and, and saying, Okay, God, I'm ready. I'm expecting you to speak to me. Now, notice verse 2 again. It's an interesting verse that can be interpreted or translated in two ways. The Lord says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Now, one way that the Lord, that this is translated, and the Lord could be saying is, write the vision and make it so plain that the person who is running by can read it, like, like watching a billboard. That's one way to interpret this verse. And I agree that the vision of our lives should be so clear that people who are cruising by as they look at our lives, they should know what we're about. They should know what our life, what we stand for. But another way to read this verse, it could mean it's translated in this way. Write the vision down and make it plain so that those that you share it with can catch it and run with it and take it. And personally, I think that both ways are right. I think the vision should be so simple that people who are just passing by will know what you're about. People that that come by your life and they take a good look at you, that they're able to see that guy's a Christian. There's something different about him, something different about her. But also that the, the vision should be so clear that as you share it with others, you write it down, you share it in such a way that they can take it and run with it and implement it. They catch it. You know, it's been said about ministry, that ministry isn't something that is taught, but it's caught. It's caught. 
It's not something you teach. It's not a textbook kind of thing. But it's something as you hang around, as you get involved, you you catch it. That desire to let God use you. But the thing to understand is that the Lord says to write it down so that it can be shared with others. Now, here's the other thing. The reason why we write it down is because we want to be able not just to remember it, but we want to match it with Scripture. The vision that we receive, the direction, we need to be able to turn to the Bible, turn to the Scriptures to come and get counseling and say, you know, I think this is what God, how He's leading me and directing me in this situation, but, but, but I'm not sure. What does the Bible say? And that's how you avoid situations like this, you know, David Mitchell character who, you know, abducted Elizabeth Smart thinking that he was going to have seven wives. Well, if he, you know, the guy's lunatic, but if he, you know, checked it by the word of God, he would have known. That's how you know that Joseph Smith, who, you know, uh, has his vision from the angel Moroni. And he should have known that it was a bunch of, you know, angel Moroni, the baloney from that angel. Because Paul said that if anybody shares a different gospel with you, then what I share, let him be accursed. And so you check it by the word of God and you come to that place of, of realizing, hey, th- this isn't of the Lord. This is the, the pizza from last night. You know, this isn't Jesus that's speaking to my heart. So you check it by the word of God. One more thing in verse three. Notice he says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end of it, or, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. And though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now, I just want you to note this before we close. Is when God reveals things to your heart, and those things are then confirmed by the word of God, know that what he has confirmed, that direction, that purpose, that vision, that maybe he's going to lead your life in a new direction, in a new area, know this, that that vision and that direction is for an appointed time. And you need to be careful that you don't take and try to, to, you know, work that out in the flesh. That you don't try to push the door down. Okay, I've got the direction. I know what God wants and now I'm going to make it happen. No, you need to let him make it happen. Let him bring it about. And so the word here is to wait for it. Wait. And so we're watching. Lord, I need you to speak to me. And once he speaks to us, okay, now I'm going to wait. Until he brings this to to pass. Because God's timing is always perfect. And that timing will be revealed. And so we see here. A great example in the life of this prophet Habakkuk. He needed direction. He needed a vision. And next week we'll we'll, we'll see a little part of this vision. We're going to focus on on verse 4 next week. And he gets this word from the Lord. The just shall live by faith. It's a hallmark verse that changed the course of the church and the course of history. And we'll look at that in our study next week. But he receives here this vision, this direction. Judgment is coming. And he goes to this place of isolation with a determination. I'm not going to let anything keep me back from that. And this heart of expectation, God, I need to hear from you. And there God is faithful to speak to him. And he'll be faithful to speak to you. If you do that same thing. If you get away. If you prepare your heart. If you come to that place. 
Now, I am not saying, don't get me wrong, and I just want to close with this, that, you know, God can't speak to you in your morning devotions. He can. And oftentimes he does. And oftentimes, you know, you don't need to, you know, go down to the beach or go up to the mountains or anything like that. But if you're like me, you have times in your life where, where just, you know, things are, it's very distracted. There's a lot of things going on and it's hard. To really decipher, okay, what is God saying? And it's in those times, in those dry times, that we need to set aside some special time to get away to that secret place and say, Lord, here I am with an expectant heart in this quiet place. And I've determined to get here and carve out this time because, God, I need you to speak to me. And because he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, He will. He will speak. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you do desire to speak to our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to lead us and to direct us. And Lord, some of us tonight are here in this place and We do need vision. We need some direction. There are issues that are looming over us and decisions that that need to be made. Lord, I pray that even tonight, in the quietness of this next 40 minutes or so, that, Lord, you by your spirit would minister to hearts. That you would speak. That you, Lord, would work. God, I pray that you would meet us here in this time. As we come, Lord, just with hearts determined, To hear from you. Expecting. Wanting to wait to watch. Lord forgive us for our striving. In our flesh. 